0: God commands the repentance of everyone, everywhere. Let's talk about it on today's edition of Renew Network Podcast. Good Monday morning, my friends. I hope that you had a great weekend. Uh, I'm sitting in my study, and the beautiful spring sunshine uh, is uh, peeking through the windows. Um, This morning we are moving on in our study of Acts chapter 17. We're going to be studying verses 29 through 34, which will finish out the chapter. And uh, what a great journey it's been with Paul and Silas as they have really begun to gain momentum uh, on their missionary journeys. It's interesting to me that often what is promoting their movement from one place to another is is the trouble they run into in those places. Uh, and to me, that's the hand of God working, uh, moving them from Thessalonica to Berea to Athens. And the uh, opportunity Paul had in Athens to address the great minds of the day as they were hungry for truth and even invited Paul to make known to them <laughs> this new philosophy, this Unknown God uh, that they even had an altar uh, devoted to, and praise Jesus for the positioning of Paul and Silas in these places with these opportunities, and we also can praise the Lord for the way that he positions us among the right people in the right places with the right opportunities for the gospel to be made known, and he is no less busy doing that today than he was then, Uh, But this was a new thing then, and um, uh, when the gospel was being preached in the first century, it was falling on uh, ears that had never heard it, hearts that had never considered it, and eyes that were blind to these truths until they were revealed to them. And so I love the book of Acts, and um, it's been such a great study up to this point. We're really kind of hovering around the halfway point, as we've mentioned before. There's still a lot... Uh, a lot of ground to cover in the book of Acts, another ten chapters or so, and uh, we will continue plugging along we 're not in any big hurry uh, to get to the finish line uh we 're just going to make the most of it as we travel uh, before we get into the text this morning let 's go before the Father, Heavenly Father, we love you, Father, we pause in this moment, and what we need more than anything else in this moment is you, Father, encourage our hearts remind us that uh, we are very much um, in the land of the living (laughs) and that our God is very much on the throne and that the living Christ reigns over every moment of every day of our existence here in this place. Um, And so infuse our hearts with courage today, O God. Infuse us with peace. Infuse us with your presence May we be saturated with those very things today, and may we be saturated in your word as we study together when we give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here's Acts 17 29 through 34. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom were all were Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Um, this is the conclusion of Paul's address to the Areopagus, and you'll recall that these were the elite minds of the days of the day, the philosophers, the thinkers, the professors. Uh, the social and cultural elite who were uh, thinking through um, the great challenges of the day. And so Paul is making his presentation of the gospel there. Um, he had just established, the, uh, through a beautiful utilization of their own poets and philosophers, that even in their own seeking after truth, they were realizing that it's God himself that gives us everything we possess. It's in him that we live and move and have our being. And some of their own poets had even said, for indeed we are his offspring. And Paul builds on that, and he carries that momentum into today's teaching. And he says, as such, um, this God is not... um, The divine is not being represented by these um, uh, artists' renderings of gold and silver and uh, stone. Um, He's not uh, to be thought of in those ways. He's not an idol. He's not an object. He is a being. He is alive today. Um, And he confronts them in verse 30. He says, The times... Uh, of ignorance, God overlooked He was merciful, He was gracious, but now He commands all people everywhere to repent, in other words the the lid was taken off the container, God was no longer exclusively only pursuing a relationship with the Jewish people, the Israelites, He was now inviting every person, all Gentiles, all people everywhere, into a relationship with himself through the gospel of Jesus christ, and it was it was um, uh, the mission of God in the world was in concert with uh, His people, witnessing and discipling and taking seriously the call of Christ and the Great Commission to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God has revealed Himself to the world in the person of Christ it was the church's mission to make that known and now God was saying no one is without excuse <laughs> uh no one is is has a reason to 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 claim ignorance uh and the truth is we know from the teaching of scripture that it is God's kindness it is his mercy and grace given to us at the cross that leads us to repentance It's not that God has to announce uh, all of our sins publicly and hang our dirty laundry out to dry. It is the wooing of His kindness that wins our hearts over and causes us to desire repentance, that we would turn from our sin and walk with God in the direction that He would lead us. And so uh, those times of ignorance, that window had closed. And, and, and Luke teaches that God had an appointed day when the judgment would come and Jesus would sit on the throne uh, and marshal the justice and judgment of God. Um, and uh, Paul says, we've been given assurance of this truth because this appointed one uh, has been raised from the dead. Now, the philosophy of resurrection uh, was something that uh, some of these thinkers wrestled with, and some negated it as silly uh, and, and not legitimate to consider. But others uh, said, we want to hear more about this. And still others joined Paul and went with him and believed. And Luke names a couple of those people, Dionysius And Damaris. Beautiful passage. What a great result. At least, uh, at the very least, Paul was planting seeds for the gospel among this elite crowd of thinkers. And beautifully, some. Uh, maintained a curiosity, and that's the spirit working. That reminds me a little bit of Nicodemus and John, chapter three, who was curious about the teachings of Jesus, but was was resistant to let go of uh, the law and and the old covenant. But he was curious: Is this could this be the Messiah? Is this the appointed one of God? And now we have these thinkers, these great minds, these Gentile philosophers coming to faith beautifully as the Holy Spirit is opening their eyes to the truth of the gospel. My friend, there are people around you every day whose eyes are simply shrouded from the truth of the gospel simply because they lack uh, an honest and um, heartfelt presentation of it. Uh, I'm sure that they're aware of Christianity and Jesus and all of these things, but what they know of it is probably not the true gospel. (laughs) It's some manner of gospel that triggered something in them that made them resistant to it. And and unfortunately, we know that there are lots of competing presentations and ways of looking at the gospel message of Jesus Christ. But uh, we go to the scriptures and we see there the true gospel. And that's the message that we preach and teach to the world and trust that the Holy Spirit will use to draw people's hearts to Jesus. Well, my friends, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to study. Um, sorry, we went a little long today. But God bless you as you continue to consider these words today.